Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Raising Rebels family. We are busy putting the final touches on season three of Raising Rebels. Hopefully you've been staying connected through social media with Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today we're dropping something special in the feed. I was asked by ACAST to participate in a panel with two other amazing podcasters, Torre of The Torre Show and Leela Day of The Stoop. The conversation was wide, and I think you will enjoy it because we're talking about ways of pushing back against white supremacy, which you know is my favorite thing. Um, I hope that you're all staying safe, resting, and finding joy in these revolutionary times. Thank you, everybody, for coming out to hear this panel. <laughs> Part of why we wanted to talk to you guys is because you're both doing podcasts that are unapologetically black. And what a wonderful compliment. <laughs> absolutely, Thank you. absolutely. I mean, I definitely think you guys <clears throat> affirm the culture and you come from the culture and the way you present yourselves um, in the show. Just start by talking about the initial conception and your ongoing vision of the show. You know, like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Oh, goodness. You just had your mom on the show. Oh, so my you God. know, oh. like, where you want to go. I'm trying to, like, like, I'm trying to <coughs> I should start you with if, one word for how you feel. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm feeling lifted right now. Good. Um, I... I'm trying to free myself, right? Like, that's what I'm trying to do through Raising Rebels and this idea of, like, creating content that is really for me, that hopefully has connections from other people. Like, many times, I think, unfortunately, people who are creating content for black folks are doing it from a place of, like, for them, but not them. Not and for I, themselves. Not for themselves. Like, like, they're doing it for us, but it, we're not in the conversation. We're not creating it. We're not directing it. And so... When I thought of raising rebels, I am raising these three amazing people. How old? Oh my goodness. I have a 14 year old, a 12 year old, and a soon to be eight year old. So that's three a different Pisces. challenges. Oh boy. Who's the Pisces? She's going oh, Glory, <laughs> the youngest. She's the gonna baby. <laughs> the baby. She's gonna be eight um, in three days. And so, yeah, it's a lot going on. Um, and so, in doing so, I was like, I'm having conversations with myself, really, like, around how do I push back against my mother who and my parents in this culture that I love. I'm first generation Jamaican, love so much about it, but can really recognize the places where it's like a voice in my head telling me to oppress my children. Not mm. from a place of like intention, but because of fear, because of like trying to figure out how you navigate white supremacy for all these reasons. And I'm like, no, I want my kids to be free. 
but I'm the one because of what I've internalized who are who is oppressing them. And so how do I push back against that? And I'm often talking to other black parents, parents of color, who are like, I want my children to be free, but it's like tempered with, but I also want to go to Ivy League schools. And I also want them to be able to navigate these particular spaces and the ways in which I've internalized, they've internalized white supremacy and like it's are really regurgitate, like spitting it up on their children. Um, and I was like, we just need to talk about it. Like we have to have grace with each other and make space for it. And so with Raising Rebels, I'm really hoping to center children yeah. and by really helping us heal our own childhood traumas through just talking, <laughs> you know, just having conversations. It's a lot, it's a lot, but yeah. I feel, I feel like the Stoop week, uh, show by show is an attempt to define blackness, but to like take the boundaries and like push them further, right? Mm -hmm. So it's unapologetically black, but it's also saying, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Can we be introverts and still be black? Can we be francophone? Can we be, you know, whatever? Right. So um, yeah. just as somebody who's written about post-blackness, mm -hmm. I appreciated that about the vibe of your show. So what was the, what is the mission? What is the vision for what you guys are trying to do? Yeah, I think, one of the things we really wanted to do is uh, my co-host, Hana Baba, she's from Sudan, I'm African-American, and we wanted to talk about the differences and similarities between us, but in a way where we can be very honest. Mm -hmm. um, so there was conversations, we both worked in the same newsroom at a radio station, there were com conversations that came up around blackness, like, did you read that article that said it might be appropriation if we're wearing African clothing and we don't know the meaning behind it? And, and us kind of saying, well, what do you think? Do you think that's appropriation? Could it be? Um, and we really started trying to dissect these issues. And Hana, my co-host, would, would tell me things that would, were being said within her community, within the African uh, Sudanese community, that I was surprised about, you know, like these uh, observations about blackness and... and um, and so we decided that we would try to create a show that would combine journalism and storytelling and really have a question that we don't know the answer to, but at least we can like really pry and hope that people can ask themselves that question as well and try to find the answer. So I love that, like I hear the term unapologetically black so much right now and I love it. Um, and I think that we, we are really trying to show like that we aren't you know, a monolith and that we are various types of black mm -hmm. um, and that's what's coming up in our show right now like every every time we have a, a show um, we're just like what can we talk about that we haven't talked about before and how can we talk about it in a way that isn't that's looking inward um, at how we uh, critique ourselves and critique other people and not so much um, like I was saying earlier we, we try to stray away from doing shows that are very racially driven, but really look at like if issues within our community yeah. that can divide us and that can unite us mm -hmm. too. I mean, you know, when we talk about blackness, there's of course an in-house conversation and mm -hmm. then there's an external conversation. The conversations we have among each other are different than in mixed groups. And when you do a podcast, especially like with a black partner mm -hmm. or you, you envision the audience to be black, mm -hmm. there might be a conversation that you have but you know, you send it out into the ether, anybody mm -hmm. can hear it. Mm -hmm. Are there things that are beyond the pale that you're like, mm. 
uh, <laughs> I don't want to discuss that because the wrong person might hear it. You know, I mean, like, uh, we've all had that. Yeah. Space, are we are we private? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. is this black Twitter and I can say the N word, <laughs> yeah. or I have to, or is public Twitter? I have to say the N word. Right. Like, wh- so where are you? Is there, are there things you wouldn't say? There's nothing I wouldn't say. Um, but I do. Appre- you know, like it's this. I love podcasts because we're when we're recording, we're like in our own little silo. Like, you know, we're in our space, mm-hmm. and there's almost like the ego is not there. Because you you're you're ta- you're having conversations with the people you're talking to, whatever. But there's almost like the audience. You're thinking about them, but they're not. You're not seeing them. They're not like, I don't know how to say it, but you get to have these conversations that are intimate and private, outside of thinking about that white gaze, even though it exists, right? And I think that sometimes, I mean, I think it's a very interesting question because I remember this hearing. Um, why is his his name is forgetting me? It's like one of my favorite stories. But um, a comedian was saying that his show. What is this guy's name? Oh my goodness! Come on! Come on! Come on. Uh, is it? What's the show? Hey, one proper name. Um. Everyone, <laughs> 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 I'm talking about no, my no, it's like, like, it's like the, the thing like, that we were talking about. Give me one proper name. I can get it. Yeah, a very famous um, black comedian. Why is his name escaping me? Chris Rock. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Richard Pryor. Oh, good. So Dave Chappelle. There's a reason I'm forgetting him right now. But anyway, that's another story. So yeah. Dave Chappelle said this thing about why he quit doing the Dave Chappelle show was like white people were laughing too hard, right? right? Like mm-hmm. he had done this thing and he's, he did it for a black audience. And he was like, one day, like, right. why are the white people laughing so hard? And this idea, like, they're laughing at me right. versus like with me. Right. And I think that I have not gotten there yet. You know, like okay. I haven't had my Dave Chappelle moment where I have to check how much I'm putting out there and like who's consuming it and how they're digesting it and how it's like being used as a tool to further oppress the people that I'm trying to liberate or be in liberation with. But I think that as much as we can ignore that white gaze, the more authentic our conversations can be. If so, you can ignore the white gaze, then absolutely you can mm-hmm. get to an authentic conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, I think that's kind of... Just like we're just going to have the conversation. And I think also the more I'm fortunate enough that I can curate my life outside of that too, right? Like I'm not, if you don't want to talk, if you don't want to have conversation about race, you probably are not in my circle of people. But if you're a parent. Oh, yes. I'm not a parent. I run a school. Yes. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You occasionally do things that you don't want to talk about. this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the thing. Did I, you get beat as a child? Absolutely not. Talk about it on the show. Do you beat your children? Absolutely not. And like, this you is, never. Never. Ugh. I know. <laughs> but this is the thing. This is the thing. I fuck up. Yeah. I fuck up as a parent all the time. I do things that I find embarrassing. I do. I like. I have. I have interactions with people here probably tonight that I'm like, shit. Why did I say that? But. The part of, like, being my most authentic self is about also owning your shit. Like, owning the places. And that's why podcasts can be powerful. Because when people get to hear you be a fully formed human being, flawed and not, then they get to do that also. And so I think there are definitely things that I wish I would have done differently. I'm 43. I'm 42 years old. Like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, But the more I can, like, forgive myself for those things and then talk about it the more people can really 
like do that for themselves and get to know who I am. I mean, it's interesting what you're saying. Not only do I push myself to be authentic on the podcast, but I push myself to be authentic with my children, which is really hard. What does that mean? So like this idea that there are things that you would not want to say, right, on a podcast or in front of white folks or whatever it gets me. There are ways in which I find that people, I mean, I'm getting back to my shit, which is about kids, but in black children in particular, there's a way in which there's a way you act with your children that you wouldn't. You know, like, we, I, I watched this show, but I wouldn't watch it with my kids. Or right. I had this conversation, but I wouldn't have it around my kids. Or I do this thing, I wouldn't have my kids. And I push myself as much as possible to be as m- much Break of who I am yeah. with them all the time. So if I could do it with them, it makes it easier to do it with but everybody. there's things that we don't want to expose the eight-year-old to yet. Right. Mm-hmm. But I want to have the conversation <laughs> about why I'm not exposing you to that. Right? Like, I want to have the conversation about, like, my mother who was on my pocket, she, lost, she watches a lot of Ratchet TV. She loves it. Like, she just, it's her thing, housewife. Like, she just she loves it. She lets them that. talk back. Yeah, I, <laughs> Did she let you talk back? A hundred percent, no. Like, it, she, said, <laughs> I mean, she says it. She's like, I would never let you do that. But there's a way in which when I'm, like, literally yesterday, my eight-year-old was, almost eight-year-old was like, I'm leaving the house, and she's like, I'm going to go upstairs with Grandma while she watches her stories. So proper, as we call them, stories. And you know, in the black community. And so she was like, my mother was like, you don't know what's going on in stories. And she was like, well, actually, Jeff, I don't even know the, kid, the character's name, but she just read it. She was like, did it, and he's dating a man, which I think is good, because at least they're not being homophobic, but mommy, they're really not nice people, and did it. Oh, and my boy. mother was like, what oh, the, boy. and we got, and then I just had a whole conversation with her around like, this is why grandma likes to watch this, this is what's problematic about it. Um, so I, I guess I just want to say, as much as, as, you know, coming back to what we're talking about here, as there are very few places, right, when you're talking about, you have to work in this world, you have to live in this space, you have to figure out how to make your podcast make money for you, you have to figure out how to get, you know, white folks to buy in so that it can like move on and all this kind as much as you can give yourself those spaces where you can be your most authentic self, take it. You know, like, there are risks involved. There, there are, are risks involved. Lila, do you... We talk about authenticity. Layla. Excuse me, Layla, excuse me. <laughs> do you, they talk about authenticity. Do you, do you want white listeners in that that desire shapes the content in any way or you can completely not go there at all? I mean, when we make our show, we don't think about, we make it for, people ask, who is your audience, right, right away when we started our podcast, and we said, it's women that look like us. We think it's black women that look like us. So we started making the podcast with that in mind, and I think it's interesting to talk about like who you're making it for, and, and if you can be your true self when you're making this content, because I tend to think that we still censor ourselves in some ways. Sure. Um, I don't think that we are 100% um, open about some of the things that I, I would like to talk about. There are the things you wouldn't talk about? Yeah, I mean, for example, like when you were talking, one thing came to mind was um, we were going to do an, an episode about my co-host, Hana, being called African Booty Scratcher by other little black kids at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an episode where we wanted to look at where the where it might have come from that that you know why that term came up why so many kids around her age group were called that and how it hurt her and how it sort of made her have this kind of resentment towards a lot of little black kids in school because they were you know sort of mean to her um, and of course within the podcast we we break it down and we have some kind of like 
resolution and understanding and, where, and look, at, um, look at ways that we can interpret this. And when the episode came out, two things happened. One was um, that uh, horrible attack in Charlottesville ha happened. And so we didn't want to air the episode because we thought it was too tense for that time mm -hmm. to bring up a racial tension, a tension that's within our own blackness at a time where it was extremely divisive racially in this country, not, not like it ever isn't. But we just thought the timing is not right. So I, that was a moment where I felt like we did pull back. And another thing that happened is when we did that episode is there were some older um, black folks that wrote in and they didn't like, because these episodes air on the radio as well, they didn't like that the term was actually said out loud on the radio, the term African booty scratcher. Mm. Um, and so it was this whole discussion with us and older black folks around, are we talking about things within our community that we shouldn't be talking about? Are there moments when you or Hannah have conceived of an episode and you guys said, no, the world's not ready for that? Yeah. Like what? Are we gonna talk about that? <laughs> Tell us. I wanna know, I'm so curious. <laughs> I'm so curious. Um, we were going to do an episode about discipline um, and about Haitian parents that have their kids kneel on rice for an extended period of time as what? a punishment. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we were going to talk about different uh, punishments within different communities that are very similar to that, mm -hmm. that still happen to this day. Mm -hmm. um, and when we started interviewing people about it, we realized that child protective services could be called on some of these people. Um, and we just thought we're not going to do that right now. You know, we're, there has to be another way to tell this story, but we couldn't tell it that way. That's so hard. Yeah. That's so so things like that that have come up. Um, also, there's been tensions within um, within the black community that you know between Africans and African Americans that we also thought like, how are we going to talk about this in a way that's like digestible, that isn't going to offend people, that's not going to be divisive? Um, because the feedback that we got when we did the episode were about Hana being called the name, it was definitely this pushback of like, why are you putting this out there for the world right now? Mm -hmm. And podcasts allow you to do that, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. it's also, I'm feeling this responsibility mm -hmm. to do it in a way that isn't going to be even more divisive, but that can open up a conversation, but lead us somewhere in the end, you know? And sometimes it's a challenge. I don't know how to do that. I, I'm Please. <laughs> um, I think also what's challenging for us as like black folks is the fact that white supremacy doesn't just come in a black, like in a white person. It doesn't just, like of as course. black mm -hmm. people, Absolutely. we are, we have internalized this. Mm -hmm. We like, we have ways that we are like censoring ourselves. We are, um, and so mm -hmm. when you're getting feedback, right? Like when you're getting feedback around what's digestible, what is okay, what isn't okay, it is really hard to like make those calls because that black, older black person, that mother, whoever it is, is like silence us. They are talking about white, like the white mm -hmm. gays. They're mm -hmm. talking Absolutely. about mm -hmm. the ways they've internalized that oppression. And I do think like, you know, for us, you know, at Domino Sound, um, our production company, and also like Raising Rebels in particular, I feel like as long as I'm centering, like I'm in it with the, the guests, I'm in it with like, what you're saying, Hanan, it's like she's talking about her own experience. Mm -hmm. And you should get to talk about your own experience regardless of whether or not it is triggering for someone else, mm -hmm. right? Like, because of course it's good. Like, that is the whole yeah. point of the connection. Um, 
So I think that's really hard, and I, I, I really hope you do the episode. I think, so. <laughs> I think sometimes too, there's a, there's a modern divide, right? Of mm-hmm. like things that people are afraid to say, right? This is no. What's coming up for me right now is is Queen and Slim, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and people said. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> No, just as a homonym. This is a homonym. Um, that people were noting, like, all the black blue check marks were saying, this is amazing. And the non black check marks, the blue check marks were saying, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And privately, supposedly, not me, I really love the film, but privately, a lot of blue check marks were like, no, that sucked. But right. didn't want to say, didn't want to diss uh, Melina and Lena's movie publicly. Right? right. I think that's part of the thing. Like, it's not. It's not black and white. It's not binary, right? Like you can have, in like we can critique and engage with our art and our work. Like people have can have opinions about our podcast and the what we're putting out there. But if it's just like I like because it has to be like we're all in it together. We like it, or you can't say you don't like it because we just exist in these binaries. It does make it difficult to do. But you can unpack all that shit, right? Like, and I think that's what we do amongst each other. Like, we talk about it amongst each other, amongst each other, amongst each other. But this is—is this a public gesture or is it a private gesture when you podcast? Like, are you amongst each other or are you in the world? Right. I mean, I think before we make an episode we are very much amongst each other about how we're going to have this conversation in a way that is going to hit on the certain points we need to and there's going to be a takeaway from it. So our, our podcast is a little bit more produced in how we, yeah. how we make it. It's mm-hmm. an actual a story and we have fact-checking and do all these things like to, to tell the story. So it's very much a, a produced and well-thought-out, like, well, what if we have this angle and what if we have that? And we re-record and we say things different ways. So... The final product, it might, it sounds, you know, hopefully it sounds like we're just like, you know, shooting it, but we're very much, everything is very, very structured. And I think though, the idea about critiquing black uh, content, um, I would love to hear more conversations around this because I just, I actually feel the issue right now is that people aren't critiquing black content the way that we should be. Um, and it's because there's like there's not that much content out there in the mainstream, and I just feel like everyone wants to stand behind something and support it and not be critical of it. I mean, it's either we're, ta- we're we're skating both lines because we say don't critique it because we don't get that many shots yeah. in TV and movies, and we don't want to knock it down right away. But at the same time, this is a golden era in terms of black visual culture, and yeah. there are more people in terms of producers, in terms of directors, in terms of actors who are getting their shot, writers who are getting their shot to make their thing and make something authentic on OWN or Netflix or FX or wherever than ever before. So you think we might be able to be like, let's just have it out. But yeah. like people are still like, we can't because the white people are watching. Right. It's a thing. I don't think everybody's doing that. I just want clearly, to say it. Clearly, clearly. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know. But you see a lot of you, people are pulling their punches too. Yes, but those are the same people. Like, what I mean by they're the same people, I mean, like, I think we are all in a process of trying to get to our freedom. And I think that for some people, they're going to be at different stages of that. We ch- like, you know it. Like, you know when you listen to someone and they give this very long explanation of why they might have a negative thing to say about anything 
black and they're a black person and they know they have like you know many many Twitter followers and they, there's this weight on them mm-hmm. around like everyone's gonna read what I just said and so I want to make sure that it is well crafted and like I'm not being too hard because I don't want someone to be canceled or I don't want to impact someone else's like livelihood and all of that and I think it sounds, I think it, 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 it doesn't sound authentic. I think there's a way in which you know that even white folks know that like, there is something that is not authentic about that critique or not mm-hmm. authentic about what you're communicating about this black art. And I feel as though, I mean, I guess more to me, like not like a more interesting question or what I'm curious about in, in that kind of line that we're skating and trying to figure out is like, why? Like, what is what is underneath that? Like, what are you hoping to do when you are like not critically thinking about? Because I think it's almost it's like an insult, right? Like, if I put something out there or in some contact out out there as an artist, and I can't get feedback, and the only people I can get that feedback from are my black people because I don't trust what white folks are saying about sure. it because they are coming with their lens, yeah. then I can't get better at my craft. I can't. True. We can't have a more. Um, I want to. I want. I want my shit to be hot. Like yeah. I, you know, like I don't want it. To, I want it to yeah. sound good. I want the the sound. Like I want all of it to be really good. And if I can't get feedback from my people, so I guess we. I feel like we do ourselves a disservice when we're trying mm. to protect. The, I agree. You know, agree. us from them or whatever the case may be, and not really digging deep into. Yeah, it. I, I want to drill down on something you said because um, Duray says it all the time too. Like, well, that's not how we get free. Right? That's not how we get free. Who hmm. says it? Duray, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Right? Is a, that's not could, how we get free. Yeah, like mm-hmm. like you, you say certain things, you're like, that's not how we get free. Like that doesn't matter. That doesn't ultimately that doesn't matter, right? And you keep talking about like getting to freedom, right? Yes. So what does it actually look like? Like how do we? get there and what does it actually look like? And I know I want to hear that from you too and I think you are helping to break down the barriers yeah. of what we think of yeah. as black to create that freedom to be black however you want. And you want to be introverted like that's fine. You want to mm-hmm. what and so you're doing that in your work but mm-hmm. you keep specifically mentioning it. So I want to hear from both of you but go ahead. Go ahead. Oh me oh, I'm curious. So you can <laughs> and I talk a lot. Um that's why I have a podcast. So I would say that <laughs> For me, if you want to see freedom, like find a two-year-old, find a three-year-old, <laughs> and just like watch them, and then you'll see. Oh, that's what it looked like because we were all three. We we're all two. We all were at our freedom. We were born that way. And as we continue to grow, we start like putting more boundaries and sure. barriers around who we can be. And I think getting back to it looks like, again, erasing the ego as much as possible. You may need to use like medicinal ways to do that. You may need to meditate to do that. You may need to like find community in different spaces to do that. But it's as much as you can leave like outside of, um, and for me, when I feel that the most free, which is like sometimes sitting in that room, in that podcast, like in that space with me and that other person or the other three people, we're just there. Like we're in it right now here. And we're like, we're talk, we're, we're, we're as free as we can be for those moments. And sometimes you like, Anyone who are podcasting, you record, and like you turn it off, but no one wants to stop. You know, like you end a podcast and everybody's like, no, don't turn it off. <laughs> but part of what you know you've created in that moment when it's good is like, oh, we've created this like universe where we get to be our authentic mm-hmm. selves in this space. And like, no one wants that to end. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, you've had a good podcast session when nobody wants that to end, or you turn and like people are like, we gotta like, kick people out. Like, okay, we can't spend a night here. Kids are waiting at home. Um, and to me, I, yeah, I think like you can use this, mm-hmm. this um, 
medium as a way to get to that freedom, like yeah. get get to touch it. And once you touch it, you just got to get back to. I what mean, you there want. is an inherent freedom in podcasting because there are so few people involved in it. You turn on the mic, you mm -hmm. put it out, mm -hmm. you say whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. That is not what you get in television. Mm -hmm. It's not what you get in radio. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, even saw. Um, you know, a friend of mine say something on Sirius and get suspended from MSNBC. Mm -hmm. Like he can't, he doesn't even have freedom to go over here because yeah. MSNBC is mm -hmm. like, mm, we don't play that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But but we have that freedom. But like, talk about the freedom that you, the vision of freedom that you're building yeah. in in every every episode. You're saying blackness is also this, you guys, and mm -hmm. it's also this. I think the if there's freedom and the work that we're doing right now, it's this idea that you can see yourself in some of these stories, that you can see yourself as someone who's been told that they sound white and felt horrible about it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that you can see yourself as uh, someone that's been told that, uh, you know, you're a black nerd and you don't fit, you know, you're not really black. Someone that's been told that, um, you know, because they can't swim, that, you know, they, they're poor, you know? These are stories that we tell, that we tell on, on the stoop. And, and all of these stories, what, what I love is that there's often a personal story that Hana and I have a connection to it uh, with, and there's people that listen to them and they, um, they write in, you know, and they say, oh my gosh, I've, I had that experience. I've, this has happened to me. This is happening to my daughter right now. White parents writing in saying, I have a, a black son. He's been teased for his voice and told he's been sounding, he sounds white. And, you know, asking for advice that I cannot give, mm -hmm. right? But they, they hear these issues come up in the stories. And for me, like, that is liberating, I think, for a lot of listeners to know that they're not alone in these mm -hmm. situations. And especially one, one of the things I've been really thinking about lately is like how many older people that have never had the opportunity to go through a podcast craze like, like we're going mm -hmm. through right now and that don't actually know how to use apps and things like don't that. Don't know how to find it. Don't know yes. how to find yes. them. My, my yes. auntie said the other day, I don't have podcasts. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but good luck with exactly. your show. Like, uh -huh. Good luck with yes, your TV you do. show. Like, like yes, yeah, I have relatives yes. that ask me, like, what channel of, of my am Fox will I be? You know, I'm like, no, it's not the TV. Um, and so it's just this. And when I tell them about some of the themes that we're talking about, this idea of being like a, a black introvert, or you know, all all the themes that we're talking about, they say. Um, or being proud of, you know, we're, we're doing an episode about like being proud of your booty. Like at the time when all these, you know, older black women used to be very ashamed of their figure and their curves. And they're talking about, um, you know, this idea that we're having conversations that they would have never, ever had or heard. And I, it's sad that they're not hearing them, right? Because they're, mm -hmm. they're not they able, don't to find they don't know how to find the podcast. Mm -hmm. But the ones mm -hmm. that do hear them, and maybe they hear them on the radio, mm -hmm. they do say that they feel like, liberated in some way. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. and so that's for me, it's like that's that's kind of what's driving me right now. Mm -hmm. Are there questions, comments, Queen and Slim bashing that people want to get into? <laughs> like a couple more minutes left in this show. Oh my God. <laughs> we we could be fighting on Twitter. I love that movie. Um, yes, sister. Um, just for both. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between um, the very first episode you produced and the most recent episode that you produced, 
what did you discover along the way as far as uh, tweaking your voice and how you want to relay the messages that you're Great episode. Great mm, question. That's a great question. Um, have you changed a lot? No. <laughs> how, many have you done? how many episodes have you done? I've done, I think we've done 20 episodes. So ours are, yeah. you know, we're a pretty young podcast. I'm a teacher, like I'm an educator by trade and when we, um, or by training, whatever the case may be. And when we started to think about the podcast and what the format would be, you know, my teacher brain said like, I want, you want it to be, and I'm a progressive educator, um, trying to make it as open as possible. I wanted to have a framework that it could be different every time, but consistent, mm -hmm. right? Like I want, I wanted the listener to like know what they were coming in and like getting, but also not know because it's gonna be different people and we're gonna talk about it a different way. And um, and so I created and with, you know, we thought of an outline that allowed for that. So there's like these key points, questions that I just keep coming back to like, start, how are you feeling right now? Um, and it's always going to be different because the people, I mean, I wanted it to be so thin that the, the framing of it, that the people who come into the space get to like be, and, and it makes it create. So when you ask like, what did I learn? What did I tweak? What I, what's different? There's things about that first recording that I, I like we, oh, we burn sage and like, we don't do that every time. And I'm like that. <laughs> so it's like more, more times than not, it's like things that I want to go back to um, versus like things that I want to- hear the burning sage? I want to hear that. Oh my gosh, mm. you can feel it in the. You're like, you like put it like, right up to the <laughs> nah, mic, right? I mean, yeah. some, all right. Well, I'm nice. doing it for us, right? I'm doing it for the people in that space, so it's not for you to hear it, right? Like you're gonna, you gotta hear it in like how we're being. Listen, but because I think that there's something about the curation of your podcast, you know, like how much you're putting on it to make it like palatable or make it like grow or make it accessible for white folks or make it like sound like, and you, and I think that's part of the battle is like black, like we are constantly doing around like, well, how do mm -hmm. I make it work for more people? But really like, I want it to be as raw as possible. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's my answer. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. When we first started, I was really into like, just sound and interviewing people on the ground. And I remember we went to Afropunk and we talked to all these people about like what they were wearing and why they were wearing oh, it. Afropunk's so good for that. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what does that mean, this feather and, you know, this, this symbol? And, and, and I was... I just love the idea of audio and just sound and just sitting in sound. So non-narrated pieces, meaning there's no voice guiding you through a story. Mm -hmm. um, like doing a, going to a church and talking to girls that dance in church and just hearing them talk about dance. And I started noticing like we, the feedback we got on those episodes, like people were like, where are you guys? We wanna hear more of you guys talking and chit-chatting. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of disconcerting for a bit. So I feel like we've shifted so there's a lot more writing mm -hmm. and a lot less sitting with sound because I think people's patience sometimes is just like not there not for that type of story. TLDR, mm -hmm. the man says we can have one more question. Yes. Um, just, just curious, so what's the next step when you get people like Judas on who don't have a podcast? So how, how do you overcome that access to the podcast? ACAST, right? Like, that's, the whole, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we're, that's what we're talking about. Um, I think so much of it is about educating our community around how powerful podcasts are. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, you know, like I said, my mother listens, like, watches a lot of Ratchet TV right now. She figured out how to find Bravo. You know what I mean? Like, and so this idea that all of our people intergenerationally can learn how to access it and 
being mm-hmm. pa- we like us being patient around teaching, bringing them along. I think is a big I mean, part of it. Like I think a lot of reasons why. You know, you see the numbers, like a lot of podcasting and like whether or not you're going to get sponsored and all is like driven by how many downloads, how many downloads, how many downloads. And really something that, you know, we talk about a lot is this idea like the, our podcast listeners are actually not listening to podcasts yet. Our, 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 our people, like who's going to drive us to those big, they actually, we have to do the extra step of introducing them to the medium. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. we should do that work. I mean, I think, I think. In some ways, the boomers may be lost, right? And I don't say that in a pejorative way, but like technology has changed very rapidly mm-hmm. in a relatively short period of time, and they're still trying to figure out how to use a computer. And they're like, well, you know, but as we go forward and like you turn on your car and the button to open a podcast is right there, yeah. it will become much easier for them. I think mm-hmm. five years ago, my mom would have been like, serious? Oh my God. And now it comes in the car and it's super easy, yeah. just as easy as tuning the radio. So she's got it. So part of that is not even going to be us, but just yeah. the industry in general. Okay, the, the queen has to get on, but we have one more question that we could get to. Go ahead, brother. <clears throat> so an answer, either one. Um, one is, um, how do you deal realizing that your lived ex- any part of your lived experience could be content for your show. Mm. Oof. <laughs> or um, what do you feel about sort of like the unaddressed feeling that only black people in podcasts can make essentially chat shows and can't make things that are mm. more experimental with that? Those are two black really fantastic questions. Fantastic. And I think like mm-hmm. there are other guests that are going to be on. Um, I I want I, I would love to hear because that's like that's like to me the question. I mean, is 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 it Glenn Washington making something that's more than a chat show? Well, he has um, Snap Judgment, and he, his is like a journalism, like a storytelling show. Yeah. But I do feel it is very difficult right now as a black content creator to convince people that you can do something other than a chat show, and that it's worth investing in the type of content that might be other than a chat show. I am so grateful for so many people like kind of that opened the door for us in terms of creating this content. You think of like, um, you know, another round and um, some of the other podcasts that, you know, initially got so much funding and so much attention. But I do feel for us personally, a lot of the reaction to our podcast has been like, can you talk more? Can you make it more chatty? Uh, can you get more celebrity hosts, uh, guests on there and things like that? And I think that um, unfortunately, because so many shows t- started with chat and got so much attention, there's this stereotyping that's happening already that it's, if you're a black content maker, you must be doing a chat show. And so as a journalist like, an, or as an um, audio, you know, doing sound design, something, something a little bit more experimental, it's twice as hard, I feel like, for us to, to get our foot in the door and, and get like, people interested in the content. And the other question that you had about um, when you, what make the content, like your life becoming content, I've had to so many times stop myself and say, I'm not gonna turn this into the story, I'm not putting this on the air. It's just too personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I don't want to put a friend in the situation to talk about these things, even though I'm like, this is like award winning. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. But I'm like, I'm not going to do it. And I think that's something that like a lot of people grapple with. Like when, 
When is when is it, when do you cross the Let line? It all out. Do you think about that? Let sometimes? it all out. I, yeah. so I, would, all. I, I don't know if I could do. I don't know. I look I, at like so, Chris Rock doing tambourine, and other comics are like, "I'll tell you anything. I'll tell you why I got divorced. I'll tell it all." Like, oh, that's. And I think that there's a way that the, so. that is not necessarily intimacy. Mm-hmm. So like, um, and and what I mean by that is like you're the, and it's to me. I have kids, right? And they're on the podcast. I'll interview them and ask them questions about it. And not, I, I literally think that them 24 hours a day could be content. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, they, I find them hilarious. I feel like their interaction, the thing that, like, could be content. But also, they're not content. They're people, right? And so getting to, like, I'm going to interview you just like I would interview anybody else and ask you a question, and you get to answer and respond it versus, like, I caught you off guard saying something I think is disingen- it's not fair to them as people. And so that's something, the way you do it, like just res- be respectful. And the other part of it is like, I, w- I think chat, I think, I don't even, I mean, I'm not a podcast deep in it. Like, I guess I am now. But like the idea of like a chat show and a discussion show and like what is journalism and what, it's all all of the things. And these kind of um, silos that we put, you know, these categories of like what it is. I feel like what I'm doing is journalism and chatty and, you know, like it's all of the things. And it's about how much you are curating and like thinking about how you're formulating it. And there's other levels of the, the thing, like. You know, like this model of like two girlfriends sitting and talking together. They're not all going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not all like, and it's not, it's unfair to kind of categorize everything as like, this is all that they do. And also, there's some people I just don't want to hear yeah. because of who I am. And, you know what I mean? It's just something that don't appeal to me that someone else, and maybe it happens a lot of times, thousands and thousands of someone else's, you know, like, are like, no, this is the thing. I, this is so good. This is so good. So, and I this just is think something that like that we know. But at the issue when we're talking about the when we're trying to present this or we're trying to sell our product, and a lot of the gatekeepers are not don't look like us. Yes. Then you find yourself in this position where you're arguing why you deserve a spot and why you should be part of a network or why they should invest in you because mm-hmm. they've already said you're a black girl, you have a chat show. That's kind of what what you do. That's what I'm finding. Yes, like when I no, when I, I approach when I've been approached yeah. by different networks or things, it's yes. like, you know, they're just expecting something. I mean, what me do already. you do when the gatekeepers are the white noise? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think that is really what we are trying we're we're having to grapple with is that we are constantly having to decide as black creatives whether or not we need the validation, the money, the access that is provided by white culture, white supremacy, um, and what, what are the trade-offs of mm-hmm. those things? And I think we just have to be great. Like, I just keep it like grace. Like, we just have to have grace with ourselves mm-hmm. around how incredibly challenging that is. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to eat, and we want to mm-hmm. be able to go to the thing, and I know that's bullshit. And, you know, like, whatever it is. Um, Vernon is burning I know, sorry, sorry. He put three and podcasters together. I, I mean, I what, know, what's going right? to happen? It's 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 all my phone. Phone. I know, what, 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 what's going to happen? And I got to go pick up my children. Oh, sorry, so. sorry. But, no, give it up for um, Layla and Lolita. We're not done yet. Oh, hold on. Yeah, we, um, that was amazing. One more time.
brothers get together and live in one love and one unity, you know. Rebel in the morning, rebel in the evening too. Now don't you be like a devil when I play with sounds called a rebel, rebel, rebel. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 